Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Based on the play by Kate O'Reilly, The Allman and the Seahorse is the directorial debut of notable actor and BAFTA-nominated screenwriter Kelton Jones and Academy Award and BAFTA-nominated cinematographer Tom Stern. The story revolves around two couples. Each one of them are dealing with some version of traumatic brain injury and their relationship to one another and the trauma and, more importantly, the love that they share with each other over the course of their journey in this film, The Almond and the Seahorse. We're joined today by one of the co-writers as well as co-directors of the film, Kellen Jones. Kellen, welcome to Film School Radio. Ah, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Yeah, what I really like about the film is that tonally, this is the way that it feels like was the best approach to telling this story. It's done with a light touch in some ways, but also enough of the reality that these people are dealing with in dealing with traumatic brain injury that we it's in it's in this zone of of being able to tell the story with some humor drama but also the truth tell me a little bit about your collaboration and how this all came about yeah oh, thank you very much uh, the the tone was really important with this we didn't want this film to sort of sink on its own kind of uh, misery and worthiness really because you know only the truth is funny and, you know, you there is light in the darkness and there is darkness in the light. And I think whenever I'm, you know, writing or acting in something, I'm always looking for characters that have the beast, the angel and madman within them who have the dark and the light within them. You know, how much can, you know, if I find the monster in the man and the man and the monster throughout. And when it comes to, with Almond, it was very much about this unique situation um, where couples who are deeply in love have to say goodbye through no fault of either of them because of a, of a traumatic brain injury in this case. But, you know, audiences can get, see characters be forgotten and forget and, and that, that, you know, you don't have to be affected by traumatic brain injury to relate to the story. So to get that balance of these characters who feel from the same world but from different areas to be able to present their situation, it had to be done with the lightness of touch, as like you say, because otherwise it could be too sad. It could be too, <laughs> you know, it could be too, too, too heavy, you know. Um, and, and and audiences seem to be really grateful for that. When I was over in Dinard Film Festival and, and Zurich Film Festival audiences, they all wanted to talk. They all wanted to seek out and stop me in the street and tell me their stories. And we're very, very grateful that it was sort of done in a way that that was hopefully truthful and, and entertaining and accessible, really. So it was originally a play, the Alma and the Seahorse, the parts of the brain, the amygdala and the hippocampus, they call Alma and the Seahorse because they're shaped like that, uh, where you lay down new memories and those new me and 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 two characters in the story who um, uh, a member from each couple's uh, have a traumatic brain injury so neurologically it is impossible for these characters to have a future with the love of their life 
and I was in the I played Joe in the original play, and then years later I got a chance to adapt the play with this with Kate O'Reilly, and we wrote the screenplay, and then I've directed the film Tom, and uh, and also re reprise my role of Joe, or, albeit an older version, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, and and it was all the bullseye was always going to be uh, marrying performance and audiences. You know, it was it was it was a, it was a, an actor's piece, something in the tradition of you know those great kind of actors' pieces, lots of Cassavetes, you know, um, uh, one for the cuckoo's nest, you know, great traditional sort of character-driven stories where actors can fly uh, and audiences can receive. Um, and I know that's most films are about that, but but this was very much about a performance, presenting these performances that could then connect with the audience on an emotional level. Well, you got a terrific cast, um, um, Rebel Wilson, Charlotte Gainsbourg, yourself, Kellen Jones, as well as Trina Deerholm. And I, I've been a big fan of her work for a while, even though I can't pronounce her name very well. And, and, and going back to, uh, as far as back as Celebration, The Commune, um, Nico 1988. I loved her in Nico 1988. She was fantastic. And Charlotte Gainsbourg, who has built, first of all, her music career. And through it's amazing. She's I have many of her records if, or CDs or whatever you want to call them. And but she has really become quite uh, the go to actress or actor for so many high profile film directors. And certainly she's wonderful in this. And this is the first time we've seen Rebel Wilson in a dramatic role. So all of these things, just really a great cast. Congrats. Well, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. That's what I think. It's uh you know, I, I love the fact there's four huge, you know, leading huge performances from leading ladies in this film. You know, I think that's, you know, because considering Mira Sayala plays Dr. Farmer in this as well, where, um, uh, you know, Trina and Charlotte, they are titans of world cinema. They are iconic, you know, and uh, they have this amazing, emotionally intelligent machine you know this talent that sort of yeah, is full of courage and ability and they were all excited to be in the film together because you could say what film stars rebel wilson mira sayal charlotte and trino like what is that film where actually you go actually this film because it shows you that there but for the grace of whoever go all of us anybody can be touched by these sort of situations and it was important for the film that those three characters weren't played by British actresses, because if they were played by British actresses, they would have to, um, you would think that they had a family, a support structure around them, that these characters, there would be mothers and brothers and sisters and whoever, were actually, if they are, you know, an Australian woman and a French woman and a Danish woman, all walk into a film. You know, they all walk into this story. They have to find a way on their own or with each other throughout, which helps the drama and kind of, uh, you know, put, really puts the pressure on those, uh, on those characters. Whereas Joe, who I play, has a mother and a sister and, and, a, and a niece and, 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 and that tells a different story. And that's why, you know, it was very, very perfect. It was 
purposeful in the casting that these weren't that the characters weren't British, that they were. I want to just let people know that the film is coming out. Uh, the Omen and the Seahorse are coming out on December 16th. It's an IFC film release. But be looking for this film. Also, obviously, the interpersonal stories, the relationships are a very important part of the film. But you also are, you managed to inject into it a kind of a contextual uh, relationship to brain traumatic brain injury in terms of sort of the how it works or how it doesn't work how how there's a lot about that in so for people watching it who are completely unfamiliar somehow but just kind of give it contextualizing this particular kind of injury which i really appreciated in the film well i i'm a i i was a big fan of the late great oliver sacks his books the man who mistook his wife for the hat and anthropologist and mars music philia awakenings obviously and, you know, what Oliver Sacks would do, he would take a very uh, narrative approach to the brain and a very, uh, you know, uh, story-driven emotional approach, a relatable approach to these conditions. And I think Oliver Sacks, before he passed away, wrote to Kate O'Reilly when she was writing the play and called it The Silent Epidemic. We knew our onions when it came into it. You know, we'd done a lot of research, a lot of reading, but at the same time, we didn't want to weigh it down with science because it was very much about the characters finding a way in this new land. But in its guts, the science is there if you want to look for it. And yeah. The politics are there if you want to go and look for them. And then it was very much about characters who don't have the injury, who are the tragic characters in this, which is Charlotte and Rebel. So we're not rubbernecking on, 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 a, on somebody's condition or ability or disability. Um, Within it, it was very much about, you know, we're not just looking at this kind of the weird and wonderful condition, post-traumatic brain injury, you know, these characters, we were presenting them in a hopefully a very honest and sincere way. You can see them remember and forget in the same frame. You know, you can watch Joe leave his cigarettes and pills around the flat and and and, and find himself in oblivion and then find his way out of it. And the audience gets to have this unique experience where, they will remember something the character won't, which yeah. I haven't really seen or experienced before in a film where you get to, you're laying down a new memory for yourself. It's being erased for the character that you're watching. And I thought that was a very interesting experience for a for an audience member to sit there and go, wow, he, will, he won't remember this, but we might. Yeah, <laughs> kind of there you go. Well, in the last minute I have with you, I just uh, also want to um, bring some attention to your, I'll call him your wingman in the film, Tom Stern, who is a cinematographer uh, who we know from many, many Clint Eastwood films, also from American Beauty, Hunger Games, and others. So over the last couple of decades, I believe Mr. Eastwood has worked with him, I don't know, a dozen times over that period, period and, uh, and he brings... To this as a cinematographer as well as co-director again that light touch that in it that sort of invites you into the frame invites you into their story i thought he did a wonderful job and i've always said that there can be no better collaboration more important collaboration than that between a cinematographer and a director and um it feels like you got all of that in out of uh tom a very i was a very very lucky to work with tom and you think of tom he was conrad hall's gaffer who then became, you know, when, when you're Conrad Hall's gaffer and then you become Clint Eastwood's director of photography, you know, 
I think I think Tom said to me quite early on when we were talking about doing the scenes, he was like, you know, and, and I said, well, when I'm in front of the camera, and he said, well, if I can do it for Clint, kid, I can do it for you. <laughs> so, you know, and, uh, and, and but also a sort of very, a brilliant kind of pragmatism as well, you know, because you're working with somebody who has all that experience who can sew up a scene quite quickly and and not overcook it, but and not sort of is really kind of uh, inspiring as well because it becomes you know uh, you, you get to witness the sort of the skills at work really to kind of you know put something together. But you no, know, Tom's a great guy and 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 and, a, and a, like you say has you know shot Mystic River for goodness sake. I mean. <laughs> <you know. laughs> Yeah. Well, I'll leave you with this. Uh, it, the, the film is shot in a lot of light. It's a very bright look to a film that the story needs really in order to give this, as I said, this light touch, this ability to kind of pull this into the story. It's, it's a light film in terms of its look with a couple of exceptions, but that's otherwise it has this very inviting look to it. So all the best. All the best to you as your directorial debut. You obviously are a very accomplished artist in other many, many other endeavors. But uh, to you, uh, as you move forward, Kellen Jones, uh, I look forward to more conversations with you. And congratulations on the film, The Almond and the Seahorse. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Mike. I really enjoyed that. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.